We'll start again today with a prayer for illumination, but I'll tell you ahead of time, this is a Sunday in which there's a lot more sermon before the scripture than after. Let us pray. Oh Lord, help us to know that whatever was written in former days was written for our instructions, so that by steady faith and by the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. In Christ's name, amen. Smack dab in the middle is not just the title of this sermon. It's the plain English translation of a Latin phrase and in medias race. When you sit down to read a story or a book or you watch a movie that starts off not at the beginning, but smack dab in the middle, that's in medias race. That's a technique of plunging into a crucial situation that's part of a related chain of events. That worked real well for the Greek poet Homer when he wrote epics like the Iliad and the Odyssey. But today, if I were to read you the appointed verses from the book of Esther, you might feel like you had missed the first half of this story, this movie uh, of, a, of a hero named Esther. So let me kind of summarize what happened in the earlier chapters, or as they say on television these days, previously on. There are just two books in the Bible named for women, Ruth and Esther. So you just know that she's the hero of this story. In chapter 1, we meet King Ahasuerus and his queen Vashti. But Vashti really doesn't make it far into the second chapter. Ahasuerus is the Persian name for a king whose Greek name was Xerxes, son of Darius. Darius had attempted several times to conquer Greece, but his fleet was destroyed by a storm in 492 B.C., and a couple of years later, the Athenians defeated his army at a place called Marathon. When Darius died in 486, Xerxes became the next king. He was only 35 when he became king, but he had already governed Babylonia for a dozen years. He started at 23. The first chapter of Esther tells us that King Ahasuerus ruled over 127 provinces that stretched all the way from India to Ethiopia. It was a huge kingdom. The king has a seven-day banquet. Now, you may think we feast a lot here at Berea, but in the 10 chapters of the book of Esther, they have 10 feasts or banquets. Well, the king throws this 180-day banquet, it tells us, followed by a seven-day banquet. Don't you know they, the catering services are doing all right? <laughs> well, after a whole lot of feasting and quite a bit of drinking, the king sends Queen Vashti a message saying, Honey, come on out here and show all the fellas what a good-looking queen I have. And she sends back a message that essentially says, I don't think so. <laughs> and the king does not take it well. 
not well at all. Nor do the fellows at the banquet, the advisors to the king, tell him, according to the Bible, not only has Queen Vashti done wrong to the king, but also to all the officials and all the peoples who are in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus. For this deed of the queen will be made known to all women, causing them to look with contempt on their husbands. Since they will say, King Ahasuerus commanded Queen Vashti to be brought before him, and she did not come. This very day, the noble ladies of Persia and Medea, who have heard of the queen's behavior, will rebel against the king's officials, and there will be no end of the contempt and wrath. So the king makes a law that all women will give honor to their husbands and every man should be master of his house. Now before someone goes saying amen, <laughs> let me remind you, this was a heathen country. <laughs> so Queen Vashti is banished and they decide to have a beauty contest. Really, a beauty contest to find her replacement. Well, in chapter two, we meet two Jews, Mordecai and Hadassah. They are exiles. They've been carried away from Jerusalem by the Babylonian king, Nebuchadnezzar. Mordecai is older than this orphan cousin, Hadassah, so he adopts her and raises her like a daughter. This beautiful girl whose Hebrew name is Hadassah but whose Persian name is Esther. Surprise, beautiful Esther wins the beauty contest and becomes queen. But because she's got not just good looks, but she's got brains and cunning, she takes the advice of her wise cousin and adopted father, Mordecai, and she does not tell the king or anybody else at the palace that she is Jewish. Well then, the other character you need to know about in this story of Esther is Haman. He's basically their prime minister of Persia. Haman gets really angry with Mordecai when Mordecai doesn't bow down to him. So angry, Haman plots to do away with not only Mordecai, but the whole Jewish people. And so Haman tricks the king and issuing a proclamation that will accomplish exactly that. Then Mordecai challenges Esther to risk <coughs> her life to save her people. So now, listen for the word of God. So the king and Haman went in to feast with Queen Esther on the second day as they were drinking wine. The king again said to Esther, what is your petition, Queen Esther? It shall be granted you. And what is your request? Even to half my kingdom, it shall be fulfilled. Then Queen Esther answered, If I have won your favor, O king, and if it pleases the king, let my life be given me. That is my petition. And the lives of my people, that is my request. For we have been sold, and my people... I and my people to be destroyed, to be killed, and to be annihilated. If we'd been sold merely as slaves, men and women, I would have, I would have held my peace, but no enemy can compensate for this damage 
to the king. Then King Ahasuerus said to Queen Esther, Who is he and where is he who has presumed to do this? Esther said, A foe, an enemy, this wicked Haman. Then Haman was terrified before the king and the queen. Then Harbona, one of the eunuchs and the attendants of the king, said, Look, the very gallows Haman has prepared for Mordecai, whose word saved the king, stands at Haman's house, 50 cubits high. And the king said, hang him on that. So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Then the king, anger of the king abated. And then moving on to the ninth chapter, Mordecai recorded these things and sent letters to all the Jews who were in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus, both near and far, enjoining them that they should keep the 14th day of the month Adar and also the 15th day of the same month year by year as the days in which the Jews gained relief from their enemies and as the month that had been turned for them from sorrow into gladness and from mourning into a holiday that they should make them days of feasting and gladness, days for sending gifts of food to one another and presents to the poor. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now you may be wondering, what is this book about a beautiful orphan girl who becomes queen and saves her people? What does this story have to do with you and me? Well, let me tell you. First, this book of Esther is about people who are called to live faithfully in an unfaithful and sometimes openly hostile world. Like Esther, Mordecai, and Mordecai, you and I live in a in an unfaithful and sometimes openly hostile world. This book of Esther is one of two books in the Bible that do not mention God. I could let you Google the other one, but I'll go ahead and tell you. It's the other one's Song of Solomon. The king of Persia is mentioned 190 times, but the God of Israel not once. In fact, there are no laws, there are no miracles, no prayers in the book of Esther. Not one. None. There's not much kindness, mercy, or forgiveness there either. Most of the people described are vengeful, bloodthirsty, not to mention chauvinistic. Intrigue, deceit, and hatred abound in this story. So where is God in this book? smack dab in the middle. Surely it was God's providence that gave this orphan girl Esther a wise and generous cousin to adopt and raise her. God gave her beauty that won her the heart of King Ahasuerus. God put Esther in a position to save the Jews in exile. And God gave her the courage to seize the day, carpe diem as they say. God gave Mordecai the wisdom to ask the right question at a critical moment in her life. And he said, who knows? 
perhaps you have come to royal dignity for just such a time as this. Well, Esther listened to the wise cousin's challenge and risking her very life. The king had what you might call a really strict no-call policy. You might like this on your phone sometime, but if you came to the king when he hadn't asked you to come, you could die. So it was risky. I know you might like to have that on your phone sometimes, but that, that was a risky thing to do, to go unbidden to the king. And Esther did it. She spoke up in a way that saved herself and her family and the Jewish people. Well, God has given you and me gifts, too, and opportunities as well. The question is whether we will acknowledge the gifts we've been given, whether we will recognize the opportunities God has placed in our lives, whether we will have the courage, the gumption to speak up, to act in faith. You may be the one to give voice to Mordecai's question for someone else. You might be the one to answer it. Who knows? Perhaps you have come to your position in your life for just such a time as this. Thanks be to God. In a moment, we'll sing a hymn, number 54, called His Way. First line is, God moves in a mysterious way, and he certainly did in this story of Esther. The hymn was written by a fellow named William Cooper. When he was a depressed 32-year-old, Cooper hired a carriage to take him to the Thames River. But the driver, who didn't know him, grabbed him and kept him from jumping. So when he got home, Cooper took poison. Someone found him in time to give him the antidote. So that next night, he took a knife and he fell on it. The blade of the knife broke. This is a man God intended to keep living. Well... The next morning, Cooper tried to hang himself, but a neighbor came in, found him, and cut him down in time. So you know he was supposed to keep living. Eventually, he made friendship with a fellow named John Newton. John Newton is the man who wrote that song we sang in Sunday school, Amazing Grace. Thirteen years after his four suicide attempts, William Cooper began writing hymns himself, including the one we're about to sing now. You see, there was a reason for him to keep going. God had a purpose in his life, despite his giving up. Let us stand and sing hymn number 54 about God's way. Like Mordecai and Esther, you don't go anywhere by accident. Wherever you go, God is sending you. Wherever you are, God Almighty has put you there. God has purpose in putting you there. The God who dwells within you has something 
He wants to do with you where you are. Believe this, go in his grace and love and power.